Welcome to Stumptown Soundcheck, our featured podcast today on our podcast co-op. Jamie Dunphy, your host, will guide you through the pulse of Portland's music scene, revealing its rich tapestry and exploring its significant cultural, economic, and societal implications. Whether you're a passionate fan of music, seeking to delve deeper into Portland's vibrant music scene, or a policymaker aiming to better understand the intersection of music and community dynamics, or simply someone who is curious about how music impacts our lives in more ways than we realize, this podcast has something for you. Welcome once again to Stumptown Soundcheck, and here's your host, Jamie Dunphy. Welcome back to Stumptown Soundcheck, our monthly conversation about the vital intersection of music and public policy. I'm your host, Jamie Dunphy. 2023 is coming to a close, and as the holiday season fades, the month of January in Portland has historically been a cold, wet, miserable place to be. Portland is renowned for our cozy culture, partially because it's awful out there, and flannel is functional and fashionable. But after spending the last three years on the couch in our pajamas, it feels like people are eager to do something else. That's why January is officially Portland Music Month. In 2021, the Portland City Council officially designated January as Portland Music Month and encouraged everyone to get out and support incredible music community, even when it's cold and wet. Now, you might be asking yourself, Jamie, what is Portland Music Month? Is it more than just a lot of live music happening in the month of January? Well, I'm glad you asked. My guests today have been busy planning the Portland Music Month since the last one ended. It's my privilege to welcome back to Stumptown Soundcheck for her second episode, co-founder and executive director of Music Portland, the indefatigable Mara McLaughlin. Hello there. Also with us is the talent buyer from Portland's world-famous venue, Holocene, Gina Altamira, where the official kickoff for Portland Music Month will begin. Welcome, Gina. Hello. Thanks for having me. Now, Mira, starting with you, tell us about Portland Music Month and how it got started. Well, Portland Music Month was, as we were coming out of COVID and knowing that the venues had really taken arguably the worst hit in the country, I think we were Gina, you can correct me, but we were closed longer as venues than almost anywhere else in the country. And so it was slow coming back. And we knew that in January of 2021, that we would need to help the venues kind of come back. They hadn't had the runway to get a bunch of touring bands in. So we started by thinking, let's make a festival in the city. Let's get the city to engage and create something that brings people back into the venues. Unfortunately, in 2021, Omicron hit town in January, and I think three quarters of all of the shows we put together were canceled. So we're technically coming into our third Portland Music Month, but really it's just the second. So last year was the first year we had a full functioning festival. And Gina, what is your experience as a venue talent buyer? What's January normally like, at least before COVID? What was January like for most venues? Well, it's always a time where touring really slows down. Touring musicians are often very much on a seasonal schedule. And so we see the bulk of touring happening in the spring and in the fall. And so in the winter, in January, especially coming out of the holidays, you have kind of a lull in terms of the national and international touring 
traffic, but what it does give you, which I enjoy, is a lot of space in the calendar for specifically local events. And so I had, even prior to Portland Music Month, been really focused in my curation on showcasing a lot of the really wonderful bands and artists that we have here in Portland throughout the month of January. And it is a month where, because it's so cold and rainy and gray, people just absolutely are searching for things to do, and they're really excited to come out to shows. And it's something where there's not a lot going on and maybe not as much competition uh, for audiences as a normal month. Like people are really, really like, oh my gosh, we got to get out of our houses. It's dark and cold all the time. We want to be, you know, with people inside. And so it's almost like a bit of a public service to curate lots of great shows in January because, yeah, we need it in the midst of Portland winter. And yeah, so that's really been our focus is on local events. And then when Music Month started with Music Portland, it was amazing because it basically allowed us to create, like, I've just loved it as a curator because it's allowed me to create sort of a an anchor and like a rallying cry around all of these local shows to say, come on out, support an amazing cause and celebrate our local scene. And Mira, you mentioned that, I mean, technically it was year two, but I think we should going forward refer to last year as year one. <laughs> How did it go? How did Portland receive Portland Music Month in its full-fledged form? It was phenomenal. It, it definitely exceeded our expectations. We sold, I think, a total of just over 40,000 tickets, which is more than 90% of all the tickets sold for the 35th annual Waterfront Blues Festival. And I think, you know, if you see that big festival in the summer and this in the winter as two kind of poles of the music calendar in the city, it was really exciting to have that big an adoption across all of the venues and all of the shows. And I definitely, in talking to a lot of the venues, they had crowds far bigger than they would have normally expected in January. So Portland Music Month is, at its core, a promotional event, a way to engage the businesses and new fans and people that haven't been out and participated and really bringing them into this culture hopefully in a way that will endure because long after January, the estimated 11,000 recording acts in greater Portland are still out making amazing music in these incredible independent local venues. So I talked to some people at the show last year that said they'd never been out to see music before and they were just gobsmacked at how energizing it is and how hopeful it feels to be connected with people in the world that way. So we want that feeling to keep going and make sure everybody comes out. Well, many of our listeners are longtime music fans and longtime Portland folks. And this sounds similar to an old festival that used to exist in Portland, the world famous Music Fest Northwest, which was similarly a lot of music at a lot of venues. But Portland Music Month is sort of philosophically different. Could you talk a little bit more about the real community benefit component of this event? Absolutely. And I should say that a number of the originators of Music Fest Northwest were part of the planning and origination team for Portland Music Month. So there is a through line from history. Music Fest Northwest was amazing and uniquely Portland because it spread out across the city and because it acknowledged our independent venues. 
So we really brought that energy back. Music Fest Northwest kind of lost its center when it became a corporate sponsored single location festival. So we really want to stick and remain true to the distributed nature of our music economy. But we also want to add a new aspect to it, which is that the entire Portland Music Month program is a fundraiser for our Echo Fund, which is an amazing grant fund that we have been developing to support local musician music projects. And there really hasn't been anything else like this, so that we're thrilled to create this event, engage this many stakeholders, and then support more music in our city, which is the point. Tell us a little bit more about the Echo Fund. What is it and how how does it fit into this picture? Right. So every ticket that anyone buys to a Portland Music Month show, all of which you can find at portlandmusicmonth.org, and you can hear every single band, every opener, every headliner, read about them, see pictures of them, and listen to them, then with one click, buy a ticket to the venue where they're performing. The way that that connects is that a uh, dollar, in some cases $2 from every ticket is directly deposited into the Echo Fund. And also all of our sponsors, Travel Oregon, Travel Portland, Prosper Portland, Aviation Gin, Living Room Realty, there's a whole rack of amazing sponsors that have chipped in, half of their money supports the festival and the other half goes directly into this fund. So that last year we were able, or this year, I guess, based on last year's, this year, it's January. So it's hard to talk about. It's funny. <laughs> January 2023 raised just shy of $60,000 that we were able to give away to 18 incredible artists. But that was out of 217 that applied that were seeking nearly $900,000 in project support. So the need is massive and we're hoping that this year's Music Month is going to blow away last year. More people come out. Every time you go to see a show, you are supporting local creation and telling our music community to keep going. It really matters. Gina, how was last year's event? Well, again, as, as Mira said, this year's event. But how was last January's event? And how did it reflect in the numbers that Holocene was able to, to bring in in terms of tickets and shows and setting your year off to the hopefully on a good foot? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was wonderful for us. You know, Music Portland's involvement and sharing in the promotion of the shows is definitely a wonderful resource. And we found that we did see larger audiences for these local bands than we might traditionally have seen for something that we are promoting, you know, solely on our own and with the bands. So, you know, I would say easily uh, a solid 30% increase in terms of tickets sold across the shows just based on, I think, their involvement. It was wonderful because we had great crowds throughout the events and a lot of excitement. And, you know, there were raffle prizes and different things to sort of engage people throughout the month and reward repeat visits to these Music Month shows. And then, of course, the other thing that's fun about it is because this is a multi-venue project, it's we were able to, at Holocene, create a sort of series of shows that we were really excited about, and we did the same thing coming up for this next one. But also, of course, there's like amazing music going on all over the city, and there's a real sense of camaraderie and kinship with the other venues where we're all kind of in it together, and that's really manifested in a tangible way during that month. So it was great. Yeah, we felt awesome about it. 
Mira, why is it really important for us to have a project like this in Portland in 2024 when we have so many other things that could be taking our, our focus? Well, I, I am loathe to necessarily quote this, but music built this city. When you think about all of the ways that Portland has kind of evolved and its boom as a business center and as a tourism destination, consistently people say amazing environment, incredible food, and this internationally respected music scene. But there's a big difference between loving music and supporting music. And I think even people that go out and see shows sometimes assume it's always going to be there. And it isn't always going to be there. Portland has definitely become a place where it's very difficult for music creators or any of our cultural class to survive and, and afford to live here. So that it becomes doubly important that we as a community, and that includes the business sector, the tourism sector, the public sector, that we all stand up for the things that are important to us. You know, Portlanders love to talk about buying local and supporting local radio like Portland Radio Project. They need to get out and support these local creators and the local venues or they won't be here. It's going to be a tough year for music and it's really important we kick it off super strong. As you've been gearing up for year two and you were going back to sponsors who hopefully had a good experience last year, what has the experience been? How did they receive the event last year and how many folks are excited to be coming back again this year? Yeah, it's been great. We were really excited to have sponsors last year like Travel Portland, who's come back in again in a maximum way. Prosper Portland and the city has come in in an even larger way. And from the private sector, groups like Aviation Gin, who is distilled here, famous Portland brand, said that they exceeded all of their expectations in terms of ROI from their sponsorship. And I think businesses that come in saying we're doing this for a good cause because they believe in our music sector and they know that it's a big reason that their employees are happy here and other people want to come and work here. But what was satisfying to hear was that it's good marketing as well as a righteous purpose. And so we're thrilled to have, you know, aviation back, travel Portland, Portland. Now we have travel Oregon. Living Room Realty, which has always had a connection to music, Rational Unicorn Legal Services, the Holler Fund, which is a private fund that is now starting to support artists as well. So it just feels like people are coming together and seeing this in its second year, like, oh, now we get it. I will forever love the people that came in in the first year when there was nothing to point to. It was just an idea. And I think that is part of what makes Portland unique in, from all these sectors is that they, they know what's important and they'll stand with it. What's different about this year? What's going to be new and exciting for 2024? We did a big sweepstakes last year and had ridiculously massive prizes. And we heard from a number of people that in some ways our sort of promotion of the gimmick clouded over a little bit, obscured a bit of our focus on the, on the music itself. So we're really leaning in this year to focusing on highlighting bands, highlighting the venues, helping corporate employers and sponsors to share with their communities, their employee communities, 
the value of this culture and making sure that we're engaging as many people as possible. And we do all kinds of promotion. We've got signs on the sides of TriMet buses. We've got, you know, all kinds of targeted digital advertising. We partner with Kink Radio and all of Alpha Media. We're going to be doing shows at the PNC Live Studio to promote shows that are happening for Portland Music Month. We've got a special relationship this year with Coin. TV, and they're going to be doing multiple features of things. So it feels like we're really just focusing this year on the music itself because it's it's worthy of all of our focus. Gina, how about you? How are you thinking about or approaching it differently this year? And what is it going to look like at the Holocene for 2024? I know that our kickoff event is happening at the Holocene. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. That's something that we're thrilled about partnering with uh, Music Portland as the official citywide kickoff show for the whole Portland Music Month endeavor um, will be on January 3rd, the Wednesday, with Jay Graves, who is a, a wonderful, wonderful local dance punk band. So they'll be there with support from Bridal Veil and Sit Pretty. And so it's a wonderful local bill that will be kicking off our festivities. And then we actually have eight total shows with Music Month throughout that whole month of January. So from the 3rd through to the 31st, eight different options to see music. And for us, we tried to do a pretty wide swath of genres. And so you have some indie pop in there, some dance music, some ambient electronic, some heavier rock and metal. And you have also, yeah, a lot of different maybe indie pop offshoots, electronic pop, R&B um, influenced artists and some surf rock as well. So that's it's it kind of runs the gamut a little bit. And I was also excited to feature just a lot of artists we've worked with that we really love, including many who received some of the best new band accolades in this past year um, in the Willamette Week. And so I think there's some real enthusiasm around a lot of the artists that we were are lucky enough to host here in January for Music Month. I think our community is really going to come out and rally. Mira, building off of that, sounds like some incredible shows starting at just the Holocene, but what are we looking at citywide? How many shows and is it, are we genre specific? No, absolutely not. Portland isn't genre specific. It's one of the great things about us as we deal with other music ecologies across the country and coordinate and advocate with them. Portland doesn't have an anchor genre. And what it does is it leaves our creators really able to test boundaries, blur lines, anything you might want to look for, you're going to find at a Portland Music Month show. And at portlandmusicmonth.org, if you go to the tickets page, you can even filter your view of the shows within sort of genre classes. And, you know, then you can, again, listen to them see what you like, find your new favorite, get a ticket and get out and see a show. But it's everything from R&B and neo soul and bluegrass and punk and heavy metal and psych rock and every weird combined genre that Portland musicians talk about. Anarcho rock, bluegrass, math rock. I don't know. It's crazy the way that people don't want to be bound up together. So Portland Music Month and our delivery of it to fans is really about getting people to maybe step a little outside their comfort zone to investigate bands and to use our browse by ear function so they can find something that they didn't think they would like 
But as soon as they listen, they're like, that's worth going out to see. And I think that's what makes Portland fans amazing is that they are willing to try new things. And January is the month to do it. In year one, do you get the sense that most of the attendees were going to multiple shows or that they were one-offs and, and sort of done? And I guess, does that matter? Do we need to build the festival differently around the idea of repeat shows versus one-offs? It's a great question. For 2023, where we had the sweepstakes prizes that were really focused on incentivizing repeat show attendances. We had some people that went to 15 shows in the month. And some of them were people that I think will probably still go to 15 shows. A lot of people went to one to two shows. However people want to engage is great. Every additional show they go to is adding more into the fund, doing more to sustain our music culture. We would love to see people go out to a number of them, particularly if they're new to the scene, and start to realize that it's a community. You start to see people at different shows and realize they dig the same stuff you do. And it's a way to make us all feel connected in a world that is working really hard to tell us that we're not and we're better off staying home on our couches. You know, that sort of, it's a, the, the phrase I love, collective effervescence of connecting with people with this vibe that you don't get at the grocery store. It's a really unique experience. So that was my little soapbox. But I just, I think music experience, live music experiences are unlike anything else people can do. And it's really important that as many people get converted to this amazing benign drug as possible. You know, we are a public policy podcast. So I'm going to pivot to public policy. Mira and I actually had the pleasure of attending the National Music Policy Forum at the beginning of December, which was held in Boise this year. And we got to learn a lot about how different cities and states across our Pacific Northwest region are supporting their, their independent music scenes, or in a lot of cases, especially like how Portland, how they're not supporting the local scenes. Mira, what is your experience in setting this, this festival up for now, that our, our second full year? How has local government embraced it and how could they maybe support you better? I appreciate that Portland City Council designated January Portland Music Month. I really appreciate the investment from Prosper Portland that is coming through the city. I think that having more acknowledgement of the economic as well as cultural imperative that music is to our city, it is as significant as travel, as education. And right now it is still not supported as a culture. And I think there are some changes afoot that will hopefully re-acknowledge that populist culture is vital culture. And it has been a mainstay of Portland for a long time. So as we're looking at how cultural funding is applied and considered and the priorities that are given as economic development is looked at and the stakeholders and beneficiaries of music really start to acknowledge that it is an economic driver as well as a direct economic engine that generates more than $3.8 billion in economic impact. Americans for the Arts just came out with their report about the nonprofit arts sector 
and are proudly talking about an amazing thing of 820 something million, it's different. We haven't had any supportive funding for the culture that is happening in Portland Music Month. And we want, we are additive. It's exciting. And having the city start to recognize that, I think is vital. So I'm hopeful for the coming year. Portland Music Month is a great sort of stake in the ground that we can parlay off of, but it's just the beginning. Portland is doing less directly for this music culture than at this point, you know, dozens of other cities across the country. We, for a long time, were always listed in the top five music cities in the U.S., We've dropped off those lists because other cities are investing in it and are supporting it strategically and financially. So I'm I'm hopeful that Portland will realize that we built this city and we need some rebuilding and we are the ones that can help to do it. Last question to both of you, starting with Gina. What does success for this event look like in the long term? Where do you see this in five years and how does this help support Portland's broader music economy. Yeah, I mean, I I would be really pleased to see it continue. And, um, you know, I expect that we will be long-term partners with Music Portland on Portland Music Month for however long it continues and grows. For us, it does represent a way of really uplifting this incredibly diverse music community that we have that is so full of amazing talented musicians from all of these genres. And it's always interesting being a part of uh, the music community of a city like ours, where we are not necessarily an industry center for the music industry, such as, or traditionally thought of, such as LA or New York. However, we do just have an absolutely incredible amount of venues and musicians for a city of our size. And so it's a way of uplifting that talent and showcasing that talent. And I would love, similar to what Mira was saying, you know, to see the city really get behind it and devote more resources to it in the long term to really start to see Portland as truly an incredibly rich music hotspot and center to perhaps the same degree that people think of LA or what have you. And so that's how I see it is it's a step in that direction of just saying, look, we have something here in Portland that's extremely special in terms of the talent that we have here and the, just the proliferation of all things music related here. I look forward to seeing that grow and unfold. Perfect. Mira? I think Portland has organically earned a true reputation and reality as in an independent incubator and tastemaker. We are not where you go to follow the footsteps to become a big country store or a root store or go into film music. We're a place where sort of endemic creation happens. And it's where people look to find the next big thing. Those are all really valuable assets that the city of Portland should absolutely brand. They should lean into and invest an identity for the city. Nashville's music city because they decided to be. Austin is the live music capital of the world because they branded themselves as such and invested strategically. For our festival, we really want it to become 
you know, a tentpole of an identity that Portland truly stands with. And over time, we would love to move more towards a Music Fest Northwest type model where there's a single wristband and we're really leaning into focusing on the venues, focusing on the different quadrants of the city and continuing to focus on the distributed, independent and sonically intrepid nature that is Portland in all of its musical form. So we're super excited and I love January. It's amazing. All the work to set this thing up is done by then. I can just go out and see a bunch of shows. <laughs> so yeah, everybody come and join us. And where can folks learn more about Portland Music Month? They can go to portlandmusicmonth.org and it's super simple. You can get tickets. You can learn about the venues. We want people to come and discover it all and find your new favorite. And Gina, do you have one more last word? Well, I was just going to agree with Mira that most of these shows got booked like in October or earlier. And so I'm also just in that boat of like, oh, wait, now it's almost January is almost here and we just get to enjoy these and watch these shows. And I'm just thrilled about it. Well, thank you both for all your hard work on this. And please do just enjoy sitting back and enjoying some music in January. Well, we've reached the end of our conversation for today. I want to thank Mara McLaughlin and Gina Altamira for joining me this afternoon. Special thanks to Veronica Bassesti, Daniel Lynn, and the team at Portland Radio Project for making me sound so good every month. Thanks for joining us this afternoon for a conversation about music. And we'll talk to you all next month on the next Stumptown Soundcheck. I've been your host, Jamie Dunphy. Stay safe out there. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Stumptown Soundcheck on PRP's podcast co-op. We hope you've enjoyed our informative discussion on Portland's music scene and its significance in our society and economy. Stumptown Soundcheck is a production of Portland Radio Project in collaboration with Music Portland. Our episode was edited by Daniel Lynn. Episodes air the fourth Sunday of every month. Until next time, stay connected to PRP and keep advocating for our vibrant music community.